The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Side, welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of hope. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. And right away, you can see my guest today, Maggie Spaulding, a new friend of mine, who's going to talk about her journey through grief to healing. The topic of the show is, can we really find gifts in grief. And I know from helping and working with so many people who are going through grief to even put the word gift in the same sentence where the word grief causes people to get a little angry sometimes and defensive. And both of us get it. We both have children across the veil. Mine is my stepchild, Susan. Maggie is her son, Mitchell. You'll hear all about that. But please honor whatever you feel as we talk about this. Our goal is that you find some healing from this and tidbits that are useful to help you on your journey. Maggie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. So thank you very much for asking me to be a part of this wonderful show. Well, I have to tell you, you and I both know this is a setup from spirit that we were supposed to meet. I, I want you to do most of the talking later, but I have to tell everybody about the God wink okay. that uh, I know you reached out of, I don't know, about a year ago when you and your husband bought an RV, yes. knowing that we have an RV. We exchanged some emails uh, with answering some questions and guiding you as much as we could since we've been RVing, recreational vehicle for our overseas listeners, uh, for over 15 years now. And I think it was 15, whatever it is, uh, I reached out, you reached out to me again about six weeks ago because your book had come out. We'll be talking a lot about your book in the show. I can see it there behind you. Beautiful book in, in all ways. And you mentioned that you and your husband were in your RV in Florida, in St. Augustine, and that you're headed for Jacksonville, mm-hmm. Florida. I just started laughing because we usually don't go out in our RV during the winter. We go in the summer. And I laughed because we had already made reservations to attend a country music concert in Jacksonville, Florida, at the same time that you were going to be there. And I knew without even looking, we were going to be in the same campground, even though I believe there are about five campgrounds in the Jacksonville area. My husband always makes the reservations, And so knowing the answer, I said, what campground are you in? And sure enough, everybody, you got to love this. We'd never met in person. We ended up at the exact same campground on the same date, five campsites away from each other. 
And so I believe our kids across the veil and spirit for this meeting here knew we had to meet and get to know each other. We enjoyed meals together and it was just a beautiful God wink. It, it certainly was. I, I still remember, well, we're going to be at this uh, website or this address in this campground. And I'm thinking, is that the one I'm in? I had, to, I had to look at my reservation to see if it was the same one. And when I saw that, I said, oh, my God, Mike, you won't believe this. <laughs> you won't believe and, this. And that's another thing that uh, when Ty found out that, you know, we're going to spend an evening together having dinner, he's always so supportive and he, he just loves to meet people. But when he found out that your husband is a former Marine, that was just the icing on the cake. Our Susan was a Marine when she was um, when she transitioned across the veil. But of course, Ty and I have full careers in the Navy. So he he and your husband, Mike, had a lot to talk about. And you and I certainly did. So let's get on with that now. What do you say? OK. Yeah. Well, uh, your story even though the details of our lives are somewhat different, is so similar to mine as far as what your life was like before your child passed and what it's like now. Why don't you just start with wherever you feel guided to share that story with us? So um, let me uh, give you a little bit of background about... Um, about my, my life as a child. Cause I think going backwards and then coming forward, I think help will help put things in perspective. So, um, I was, uh, born in Chicago area and my parents, and I was born and raised Catholic and I went to a Catholic school until I was up until about seventh grade. And it was interesting that, um, you know, going to, to the Catholic school and learning all about my religion and what I was supposed to do and not do, go to church and this and that. And, and I went along because that's what my parents did and that's what, um, you know, their parents did. And I didn't know any any better. But I, as I grew older, I always questioned about, you know, things about God. I didn't have a personal relationship with him. You and did so you didn't. I didn't have a personal relationship with him. And so when I got married, I did exactly the same thing as what my parents did. You know, I mean, what I was taught is to go to school, work hard, get a college education, get married, have kids, you know, and my mom was a working mom. So I was a working mom as well. So, you know, when I look at that, how I just did what I was trained to do, so to speak, uh, and I, we never talked about God. We never had any uh, discussions about God. And so my, my impression of him was always kind of one of these um, very stern father figures. And I find that so interesting because you were raised Catholic and went to church, but you didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about it in my family because my parents never took us to church, but that's yeah. fascinating. And so as I, as my kids grew up, I did the same thing. They went to school. Uh, I they didn't go to Catholic school, but they I went to Sunday school. And, uh, but we didn't talk about God either because I didn't know how to talk about God. I didn't have a personal relationship with him. I just did what the, you know, the Catholic church, the, the dogma, the, all the, you know, stuff what you're supposed to know and memorize. That's what my kids learn. And so, you know, I, uh, during that time frame, raising the three kids and working full time, 
you know, is interesting. I always had to figure out how to balance my life, you know, and, you know, you have, I remember having this image in my head of spinning plates. So each plate had, I had one for my health, one for my family, one for, you know, a personal relationship with my husband. And there were, but, and there was one that I had plate for religion. I called it religion. And all these plates were always spinning around and I was trying to balance them except the one that was devoted to religion. And I called it religion because I didn't think about it as my faith or spiritual, you know, my spirituality. And that plate was always wobbling in my mind. It was always off balance. And, you know, when um, the day that I got the call, from my uh, from my brother, because my son, uh, youngest son, was uh, working in Chicago and living with my brother at the time. When he uh, called me and let uh, let me know what happened, you know, I felt all my plates just crashed, and it, and my life was totally, totally devastated. I was angry. And just in case anybody joined us late, Maggie's youngest son passed at age twenty seven. Yes. Uh, and it was from an accidental overdose. And, I, you know, I didn't want I, uh, I didn't talk a lot about that in the book because I wanted this to be more about my spiritual journey and, and, the, and, you know, what came of it. So I was so angry at God. I was so angry at life. I was I was mad. I was and everything I believed in. I, it just I, I didn't understand life. I was searching for so many answers to questions and I didn't know where to go. And that's what was so interesting. You know, you hear these uh, stories about people getting being so devastated and so heartbroken. And I never, I, I felt that way. I mean, I was like uh, down in the dumps. I mean, it was extremely devastating, but it, it's a pain that, that I got, this is a, maybe I hope this analogy is okay. It's a pain like you just can't imagine. I had a Charlie horse in the middle of the night the other night, and I it's just how are you going to stand this? So I don't want to uh, equate physical pain with the death of a loved one, but it, the analogy is you don't feel pain like that in your life very often, and when you do, it just takes the legs out from under you. The death of a child is just wait a minute. This I've had grief in ways before, but this is something beyond. Right. I, I, that's a, that's a, that was a good analogy. So I, I'm just amazed at how I was able to what I learned, knew about God. And, and I was had this very close perspective about death. I didn't talk about death. I didn't understand death because I thought if I did what was I, what I was supposed to do and and just pray to God and go to church, I would be exempted from death you know, in my family. And that's not how it works, you know. And let, let me just jump in here a second, though, because you and I are speaking from the perspective of having a child and a stepchild across the veil. However, I totally want to honor that that love is love and people who have, have spouses who pass, parents who pass, siblings who pass, friends, whatever the relationship, that devastation is very real for all of us. So I honor everybody here today. Okay. So... <clears throat> So here I was, 
you know, at, at this time of my life where I, I truly was lost. I didn't know. And none of my friends, I mean, nobody experienced this in my family. I was the first one to have this kind of devastation. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 my mom died uh, very young. I was 31 and she was 55. So, you know, there was that history there was death in the family, but like you said, it's it, it's something different, you know. For me, this was de extremely devastating, extremely painful, and I remember it was within the first couple weeks, couple months when it was if, actually first couple months where the pain was that really raw pain, that excruciating, you know, acute pain, and my husband and I, we were, you know bickering because we were both upset, didn't know how to deal with the emotions. And I remember crying and, but I heard, I, I truly heard, don't let Mitch's death be in vain. Everything is going to be all right. And I kept thinking, who is this? I, I mean, this is not words that I would say to myself, you know, Ooh, my first goosebumps of the show. <laughs> and, um, and, and I kept looking at Mike. I said, Mike, I, I don't, I heard these words. I don't understand this. I mean, um, I just feel like something's going to be okay, but I didn't know how. I didn't know what. I mean, I I was starting from zero. I mean, on all of this, everything that I have experienced in the last several years, this journey is all new. I mean, I rebuilt my life. I built rebuilt my percept my beliefs and perceptions. You know, you were my mentor, or I not were, are <laughs> my mentor at the beginning of this because my first thing was I, I wanted to have a, a relationship with my son, Mitch, and I didn't know how. I didn't know if he would even be alive. I mean, could I speak to him? Is You know, I didn't know anything about life after death. And so, you know, I was, I, I, and I kept hearing it, everything's going to be all right, but I didn't know how. And I truly believe I that that was that awakening, that opening that I was able to actually start hearing and feeling things that, that I didn't know where it was coming from, but I learned how to I was guided to learn how to meditate. And that was a huge thing for me, listening to guided meditations. Uh, it helped me to kind of reprogram my mind. It helped me to allow the pain to soften a bit, you know, and, and the more I continued to do that, it actually helped me to feel, have a little bit better perspective. I mean, at that time it was, you know, on a pain of a hundred, maybe it was like 98 each day, it got down a little bit lower and lower, you know, but, um, so I, you know, I, I wrote in the book and I tell people that my spirit team, my guides, my angels, my loved ones, whoever, whoever's on my team, um, they were my grief therapists. I mean, I truly believe uh, that they guided me on uh, of what I needed to know, what I needed to learn, what I needed to listen to, what videos, what audio books, what classes to attend, everything. And it's interrupt there, Maggie, because it's such a great point. So many people, when I start teaching them about how to become more aware of your spirit team, and I love that you call your team a team because that's what we all have. They say, but I'm not aware of my guides. Yes, but your guides are so aware of you and they are putting these thoughts in your mind. Read that book. Check that video. Go here. Go there. It sounds and feels like your own thoughts. But when you can look back with perspective, you see you were just lovingly guided. You're a perfect example of that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, again, I'm getting goosebumps goosebumps here because uh, all these things that I, I mean, the first thing, you know, got it, uh, learning how to meditate. That was the first thing. I I didn't know anything about meditation, you know. Then the next thing I I felt really drawn uh, to become a yoga teacher. Now, I've practiced yoga, but I never thought me being me, I'm not that flexible. I can't be a yoga teacher, you know, but I found the right, uh, but I had this desire and by God, I was going to find something. I was, I was looking and I found a, a, a particular program. And when I read the, the program, it was not about the physical aspect. It was about learning to connect with your breath, learning to be in the moment learn and you know and learning you know we talked to there are the uh, uh the hindu uh, philosophies and theories and it's exactly what i needed to hear at the time because i didn't know what i believed anymore so the, the, you know when i when i uh, were, was in this class and learned how to find that stillness learn how to breathe learn how to allow the spirit come in i was it this was like exactly what I needed to start. And so it wasn't about just the physicality of the, the yoga it was actually healing me from inside out. It was the very oh, what a gift. What a gift. There's a gift right there. Yes. Know, most people say, Oh, yoga stretching, but they have a thing called grief yoga. Right. Yeah. And so, so you became a yoga teacher. How long did it take before you re- realized that was a God thing? Oh, I knew. And you know, so here we are in class and uh, the, you know, the teacher's always a lot saying, allow yourself to be, let go, you know, bring in, you know, cause you're, you're, you're sitting with your emotions. You don't believe it. Wherever you go, your emotions sit right next to you, you know, and, and you, they're going to, they want to come in and they want to, you know, talk with you. But at the time you don't want to deal with these grief emotions. You don't want to deal with the pain. You don't want to deal with the anger. So you let them aside. But when you allow yourself to let go, to breathe, they come in. And you, I remember she won a very uh, specific uh, uh, point in my yoga teacher training. It was like, allow yourself to let go and just release what you don't need in my life. And I just started crying. I just let it go, you know, and it was at that moment that I felt so relieved and it was like this epiphany. It's like, I need to feel, I need to help other people learn how they can heal their heavy emotions, whatever it is, whether it's stress or anger or grief. So the classes that I teach, I always do incorporate a healing type of presence uh, in there because I do feel that it's uh uh, a, a very uh, uh, worthy aspect of yoga that a lot of people don't connect yoga, you know, with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, um, oh, oh. no, no, you keep going. Okay, so then, so that was a very significant trail that I followed. And then I, I was, I was reading more about life after death. I wanted to really have a relationship with my son. I, I just want somehow I wanted to connect with him. And I had no idea. So the first book I read was uh, The um, uh, Proof of Heaven by Dr. Uh, Eben Alexander. And he's that renowned, is it neuroscientist or? Neurosurgeon. And by the way, everybody, 
please join my mailing list at SuzanneGiesman.com because Dr. Alexander and I and his partner, Karen Newell, we're all doing a master class with Humanities Team that starts in just a few months. So that'll be very, very cool. So, so he described, you know, the afterlife meeting, you know, so uh, his uh, one of his guides there and he described it and I'm going, so if he is talking, there is life after death, is there, I wonder if that's true. So I started reading their other books and somehow I've got your book. I, 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 till this very day, I'm not sure how that book appeared. I just tell people they disappeared. I, it, yeah, message of messages of hope, and um, that was a very key moment again in my life because I remember reading that book in bed, and I'm reading the story, and I'm going, "Oh my God, she sounds like me." <laughs> I put a lot of people to sleep. <laughs> her, her story sounds like me, and and I remember, call, you know, telling Mike, I said. I need to find out more about this Suzanne Giesman. I don't know who she is. And I, I remember, you know, looking on your website and I, I uh, attended, I attended your, one of your uh, serving spirit one classes in St. Louis way back when. I remember that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I just, uh, you know, and I continue to join like the monthly webinars and stuff. So it just information that you provided in the class and in the class, it just made me realize that, you know, life does continue on. And so what we, you're doing is you're going, you're working your way through what I call the three E's of the awakened way. And you, right now you're on the education part. That's that E. Then the experiential part is happening in meditation and in yoga and you're releasing emotions. And then engaging is the third E. So during class in St. Louis and Afterwards, did you start to feel Mitchell's presence? Oh, yes, definitely. That's when um, I started to um, connect at, uh, during my meditation. So that's when I started to get the downloads, as you call them, uh, uh, with uh, messages. Uh, and just like you, because you were my teacher, I had my uh, pen and paper and I would write. And I, I think I, I told you, and you have it in your book that, you know, Suzanne says, sleep with a pad of pen, paper and a pen by your bed. And and if you're okay with being awakened in the middle of the night, allow that to happen. So, yeah, I'm sorry, but you started getting these downloads in the middle of the night, just like I did. Yeah. And I remember writing the this. Uh, so I would write it. And then, you know, uh, whatever I heard, I wrote, I tried not to get my brain, I tried not to get involved with whatever the words were saying until afterwards, when I would get, you know, get up and then start, you know, transcribing what I wrote down. And I've noticed that I it ended up, it sounded like a poem, you know, and I remember reading this, I gave this poem to Mike, the first one, to read. And I, I mean, and he looked and he goes, well, that's really a nice poem. Um, who wrote this? And I said, I did. And I, he goes, I thought you didn't like poetry. I said, I didn't either, but oh. I'm, I, I'm hearing things. This is not me. I feel like I'm connecting. And at the time I didn't know who, who I was connecting with, you know, I, and it didn't really matter. I just, I was feel it was, I felt very comforted and loved. And every day I would get a message and all these messages were really about me healing about the emotions I needed to become in, in, you know, befriend and how do I do that? I, I want to stop here, Maggie, 
and just uh, slow things down for a minute because you're you're giving so much valuable information here. First, it cracks me up that the poetry and your experience with your husband, Mike, was just like a tie. You know, he said, what do you mean you wrote a poem? You don't write poetry. And who wrote this? It's just stunningly similar. But the point I really want to focus on for everybody who wants to try this is you didn't filter what came through. You trusted it. And then the next thing, you know it's coming from higher consciousness than your waking normal human consciousness and it didn't matter did you all notice she said that i didn't know who it was and it didn't matter please accept that attitude with joy because it's very important to not get wrapped around the axle just accept that it, somebody is getting through and then the other point you made is it was helpful it was healing and it kept coming so yay Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artists Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. But it's, uh, it's interesting. So, you know, the, the, uh, the connections continued and, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed connecting with them because I, I knew they were guiding me in ways to, uh, to really heal myself. I knew something, something of this was really going to become much bigger than, than at just at that time. And of course it evolved into this book that I wrote, you know, so I think yeah. that it's, it. Let, let's talk about that a minute. So you can see the book behind Maggie, but here it is. Melodies of Grief written in the key of love. Tell us about the title. Why Melodies of Grief? So uh, that was actually uh, a download. It was a connect. It was a, a, a thought that was inspired by my team. Cause I remember they, they kept saying, well, you need to write a book. You, you should write a book. And at, well, I had this desire to write a book. I'm going, well, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to write a book. I mean, and it was like, you have all the, you, you know, it was like this gentle guiding. And so I'm the type of person that uh, I'm very goal oriented. So once I decided, yeah, you know, I think I can do this. I didn't know, I still didn't know what I was doing, but I went ahead like I knew what I was doing and all, you know, started putting this all together. And, you know, it's like, well, uh, what, what's, what should this be about? I mean, I didn't really want to spend a lot of time talking about all the drama in my life and the story I, this i wanted people to understand about the um uh, you know the the journey of my grief uh, and how it awakened within me and then all these gifts became you know available to me that i didn't know i had and so it was a download it was melodies of grief uh, written in the key of love because <laughs> i kept hearing music there that was yeah yeah Talk uh, the, about the hearing hearing music and how that let you know a download was coming. See that that was um, you know so and it started out I would always hear some kind of a melody or song in my head and, and a known I, song that you recognized. Yeah, it was a known song, and when I it was uh, like I that's familiar. I uh, and I would always hear 
they would always give me a, a like a like either the title or uh, maybe the main phrase. So when I, you know, would uh, and then there would be like a message, you know, and um, it was interesting when I would look up the phrase, it's like, oh, and then I would go listen to the song. It's like, oh, yeah, that that is what I was hearing, you know, and so it's um that was just way music has always been very important in my life. And so I, I think it's um, interesting how they still connect with music. And when I, there for a while, every time when I would hear music, I kept thinking, well, is that just a song that got stuck in my head or was, is that my cue for, Hey, I, I want to talk to you type of thing, you know? And so I, I kind of stopped listening to the radio when I would be in the car. I wouldn't turn the radio on, so I wouldn't have, you know, a particular song. And sure enough, the music, the songs kept going. And these were all old songs, like 70s and 80s. <laughs> when, so I know. And, and I said that, and I know Ty's listening in, and he says, old? That's yeah. an old song. <laughs> the, the good classic songs, you know. Right. that. So, um yeah, so music was always uh, was my trigger, you know. It was the, like my, you know, nudge. Hey, you know, and well, I. It's not that the lyrics of the song had a message for you. It's just, oh, I hear a song, but I don't. I shouldn't be hearing a song. So you kind of you got snagged. I talk about snags. You got snagged by a song. You pulled the thread and realized, ah, I should get ready to write because I'm going to get a message. Right. That's exactly. That's a good analogy. I like that. The snag pulled it down. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, very cool. Um, and, and as I progressed in more of how to receive this information and became a little bit more versed in how to write and how to, you know, transform or into an inspired poem, um, it, it just didn't happen it, it you know like it in the mornings you know when i would be meditating in that meditative state it it would be i could tell like during the day if i was you know vacuuming or cleaning you know how sometimes when you clean you just kind of you know you just don't think about anything you kind of get lost in that's when i would start hearing like a, a song it's like oh oh you know it's, it's like no surprise it's when we're doing something mindless when our mind is still that spirits world, they can see our aura. And you, I can just see them saying, oh, here's a good time. Jump in yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. wow. so, so your book, I love it because it's a real primer for how to actively take on the journey of grief to your benefit, how to heal through meditation, through perhaps yoga, if that's your thing, by listening. You really show people how you opened up to the spirit world here. So part of the book is that, and then the rest of these beautiful poems that came through you from spirit, but you've put full color inspiring photos with, with everyone, which I love. That's uh, that's a little extra that most books don't have. And they, it's just nice to pick up and read and be inspired, but also very important is it gives you something to contemplate. Why don't you talk about the importance of contemplation on the grief journey. So, you know, that's um, at the beginning of your grief journey, usually, you know, the contemplation that you have is more of this 
what if scenarios. It's it gets you in your over. You're thinking about everything. Oh, what should I've done? I well, I could have done this and this and what you know. So you, you know, it's all this what if. And so that's one of the things that I mentioned in this uh, in one of the chapters is like. I wanted to be able to learn how to not overthink. I was exhausted because, you know, I've, I've learned you, you can't change the past. I mean, you ha- you can't, no matter what you do, you can't change it. And, you know, uh, uh, so it was through that, you know, once you, uh, once I was able to learn how to, uh, when the, the, the trigger of me starting to do the one ifs, what if thinking I would, I, I actually learned how to just all right, do the deep breathing, come out of that, come back into the present moment and to, and then, you know, uh, continue your breathing. I talk. Uh, there are many poems in there that talk about coming back to that breath, coming back. And, and because I feel like this is where you actually uh, start to be able to. Uh, feel your emotions and and be present with your emotions in a very mindful way. So the pain that you would feel doesn't kind of stick with you. It kind of allows it to flow through. It flows through you. You know, very interesting, Maggie. I learned that when you are thinking and your mind is working, you're you're breathing shallowly. Of course, you're still breathing, but it's like you're not breathing. When you're breathing deeply, you're not thinking. So it's just beautifully uh, matched there. If you, if everybody who's hurting can keep that in mind, and you did it, you showed mindfulness. You have to first be aware of when you're in a rut and when you were stuck in that that what do we call it? The gerbil wheel, the hamster wheel, going round and round. What if? What if? And everything that goes with it. So we don't want to feel our pain, but you breathe deeply, and that actually is helping yourself to process those feelings and you know i it, the more that um that you become aware like you said aware of your emotions and become aware of the effect after you breathe it's like oh i feel a little bit better and every time and that motion is still going to keep coming in until you totally feel uh until, until you totally heal it and but each time it comes in it's a little less intensive you know i mean um until this very day i still uh use that that process you know i mean we are human beings so yeah i still get frustrated i still get angry i get you know jealous and whatever whatever emotion comes in it's like i notice it and then it's like Oh, why am I, why am I feeling this way? You know, I, so I come back, I come back into my breathing and I just um, create that mindful mindfulness state and just allow that emotion come, um, you know, through me, within me. And, and then uh, in that spacious state, you often can hear from your loved ones who passed or your guides. Right. You know, um, one of the things that I mentioned in the book was, you know, so I, I was continuing to write down the, 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 what, the poems. And then I started to become very curious about, well, who was actually talking with me? And so I connected, I learned to connect through, uh, probably something that you taught uh, <laughs> uh, with the spirit guides. And, uh, and then I started, uh, uh, my mom would come in, my dad would come in, Mitch would come in and I could, and other family members, but not at the beginning was this, you know, 
uh, my spirit guides. I could feel, I could, I learned to feel the difference uh, and presence between, you know, when, when they, each one would come in and I could also hear different references. So like what if that yeah. is, yeah. you know, like if my mom came in, it would be, um, uh, dear uh, sweet Maggie, or, you know, if my dad came in, dearest daughter. And of course, these are words that my, my parents would have never used in real life. So I think it's interesting uh, that it was this loving connection, but it flowed. Whatever the things that they said, would it would still be very flow, it, you know, poetic flow, but it was- It spoke to your heart. Yeah. It spoke to my heart, very personal. And when Mitch came in, um, it was, I always- he put this image in my in my thoughts of him giving me a bear hug. That was always the image that I had. And I could literally feel this energy wrap around me and just I it felt like a bear hug. And I till you know, and so when I and that's how I know, hey Mitch, how you doing? And then he, that image comes in and I feel this big bear hug of an energetic hug. That's just like the founder of Helping Parents Heal, Elizabeth Boisson. She felt that hug from her son and it was unmistakable. And so you don't always need hardcore evidence, like give me a sign. I'm always asking people to ask for signs, but when you know that's them, nobody can take that away. Yeah. So you have a paragraph, I, I was not a paragraph, a chapter about being grateful. Talk about gratitude as a gift in the grief journey. So, uh, you know, that when people, you know, this is something that I talk a lot about in, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a helping parent heal. I'm an affiliate leader for helping parents heal. And so when we talk about, you know, each month we always have something, uh, you know, that where we can learn something. And when we, when I present how to be grateful how to find gratitude in life. And especially at the beginning where you don't think anything is grateful. You don't think, you think your life is miserable and you, you know, you, why me? And, you know, you have this, the kind of the victim mode, you know, that everything was, you know, happening to me instead of for me type of thing. And so I remember um, driving to work all the time. Um, I would go through this subdivision and, it was this beautiful subdivision with, uh, you know, ponds and trees and these water spurts. And uh, they'd always have geese and a lot of different uh, 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 natural um, animals there. And as I would be driving through this, I would be, look at that tree, look at that uh, that bird. And I, it's, it's interesting how nature for me was very healing. Uh, and, and so I started to be grateful for the things that I saw my way driving to work, even though when I uh, got in the interstate, I started crying because I didn't see any nature, but that sounds like a spirit thing. Again, though, you were, you were snagged by nature and, and that's what our guides do. They grab our attention because they know that's going to help you. Yeah. I mean, and to, you know, uh, so, you know, looking to the sky, looking uh, to, at the bird. So, you know, anytime you're in the state of at the beginning when you don't feel like anything is is you can be grateful for because you feel like your life is mis miserable. I remember writing in my gratitude journal. That's one of the things, the tools that I used was writing in, a, you know, I had a gratitude journal or a journal period, not just gratitude. But uh, I remember writing in there, 
I'm grateful for the smell of coffee. I'm grateful for my dogs, you know, and I'm grateful for, um, for my husband, you know, and, and, and to me, the more that you start writing and appreciate and noticing things in your life that you can be grateful for, even though they're really small little things, I feel like it, you have this, it's like the kind of the law of attractions, that, that energy that you want to have, you know, you want to be grateful. You want to have that positive. If I feel like there's more that comes to you, you start to be more aware of other things that can be, you can be grateful for. And then that just transforms uh, your perspective. About well, you say in the, in that chapter, uh, it opens you to being in a state to receive, to receive what? To receive it. It's that, um, uh, gratitude, that presence of uh, that positiveness, the, the feel, the, the um, feel the love, you know, that, that, that nature is sending you, that, that uh, God is sending you, that the universe is sending you, you know, and you, and when you're not in that receptive state, I, I feel like you don't feel that, you know? So you now mentioned God. So now you're talking about God, whereas at the beginning of the show, you had no relationship of, I know you referred to God as him and uh, some people don't refer to God as a being at all. So we all have our own concepts of who or what God is. So your answer here does not have to be right or wrong for you right now. What is your concept of God? So How that's interesting. I, I didn't realize I was saying he, because I don't, I, 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 to me, I, I truly believe that, you know, that there is a higher presence. And if, if, if I talk about God, I, I feel like it's more of a, a feeling and a knowing, and it's not a, a, a has a gender associated with it, but I feel like because yeah. of my, and I have nothing against the, the gender of God. Right. It's more like, is it a person to you, a being, or no, you just answered the question. It's yeah. Like a presence, huh? It presence, it's a feeling, and it, it feels like a relationship. I know it's not a relationship like in a physical relationship, but it's there's that that interconnection that I feel. I feel, uh, you know, um, that it's, um, I mean, it's it's certainly as someone out, uh, some something, someone, a presence, you know, that is, uh, I think, uh, helps us in. Um, um, in times of trouble. And if you told me that I was going to be friends with God back at the beginning, I would have been like, mm, not me, you know? So there's one of the gifts from grief for sure to come to know that we have this connection all the time. It's always here with us. We really are love. Uh, that's a gift beyond belief. You, you start out trying to feel your son's presence. And now look at this. You have a relationship with your higher power that's pretty unshakable, I would say, huh? Yeah, I, it's uh, it, it's so interesting when you look back at uh, the, the transition of where I was back in 2015 to compare to now. I mean, um, you know, I when in my business, um, I was I worked in uh, the technical field. I was a, a computer systems analyst, and so I was. They used to give us these personalities tests, you know, and this was supposed to be able to help you 
work with other people on your team. And so um, at the time, I the, the personality test that I took was called the uh, true colors. What's your true color? And there were four different colors. Uh, you had the gold, green, orange, and blue. And of course, I didn't know anything how this was related to like your chakras or anything, you know, but, but I was very much uh, gold and green and gold was very organized, very, uh, very methodical. Green was very analytical. Uh, orange was a risk taker and blue was your emotion. Well, I was kind of top heavy. I was always very high in the orange and the I green. I think we could have predicted that. <laughs> and a very little in the orange or the blue, the emotion, you know. Yeah. Like a lot of people who come to my programs, because we all come from these left brain, many of us come from these left brain backgrounds and then discover the other side. So I, 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 I had a chance to take another personality test and I honestly didn't know how to answer some of these questions mm -hmm. because it's like, well, I used to, I'm, I'm still organized, but not not like I used to be. I mean, I'm still organized and very analytical, but I feel like the I'm much more compassionate. I'm much more uh, forgiving. I feel like the emotional side of, of that test that I took, I feel like I might be more, I you know, 50-50, whereas before- that, I That's the gift right there. The, that is a huge gift to bring balance of the left brain, right brain, masculine, feminine, all of that, yeah. And so I thought that was interesting. I'm, I mean, I'm, it's still me, but it's, it's, it's a, it feels better. It feels like a newer me, you know? And, um, uh, but I just thought it was interesting when I was taking the test, like, well, I'm not sure how to answer these questions. You know, I'm this, but I'm also this, you know? Yeah. yeah. But that's the balance. It's, yeah. Those tests don't account for that. Beautiful. So you also have a section in the book, like I said, it's not all poetry, but the poetry is beautiful itself about befriending grief. So that is, again, um, I think I wrote in the book, you know, how, at the beginning is like, why would anybody want to befriend grief, be friendly with grief? I mean, at the beginning, it's like you, most people run away and hide. They don't want to be, they don't want anything to do with their grief. They don't want to understand it. They just, they just want to suppress it and move on, you know? And, um, I think one of the things is when you learn to, and this is all part of this whole process of going into this meditative state to be able to be in this a higher elevation of consciousness. So you allow your emotions to come in to be present with them and befriend them. So, and then release them. And the, each time this kind of process, uh, you know, the, the pain uh, of that emotion dissipates. So you can have, yeah. you know, you can have memories. So the memories of your child, um, you may, it, it, it ha brings back, a, it has a lot of painful memories. But if you sit in this presence and, and actually be aware of the different emotions of grief, I mean, there, there's, you know, it's just not grief, it's blame and guilt and and, um, you know, shame or, or anger, or whatever it is, these emotions come in, but they're all under that, that umbrella of grief. But you, once you learn how to kind of 
pull apart and be present with each of these emotions, you can actually, it actually heals you and you actually allow yourself to become a different person. And then these memories come in and the pain is no longer there. All you can feel is the love for your child. It's so memories. So you talked about naming your guides, your what is it? Healing grief specialists. And I love how you stated that they provided you a loving, safe state in which to experience the feelings. That's what people need to feel that I'm safe to feel these. Now, would you talk about the difference before and after that loving state, what it was like to feel your feelings and how, how did you create that loving state state? Safe. Yeah, that's yeah. That, you know, like I said, most people don't want to deal with their emotions because it's too painful. So how do you, you know, like you said, how do you get into that state? And I, I always came back into the breath. To me, it's breathing, coming back, closing your eyes, centering yourself and just allowing yourself to continue to follow the breath in and out. And then you feel you uh, uh, feel the emotion coming in and you can feel uh, with the intention before this is that I, I want to be present with this, this emotion. I want to, to uh, allow myself to heal. And I feel like with the intention, with the breath to create into this, uh, uh, you know, this state of, uh, uh, of healing, sacred healing. I feel that that's, it's, it's a totally different Then You can, then you're able to be in that, in that uh, presence with the emotion without that, that sting of the, of the pain associated with it. If that makes sense. <laughs> oh, it absolutely makes sense. You speak in the book about this journey you've been on that one of the greatest gifts is what you call awakening. Define that for us, okay? So for me, the, you know, to be able to really know um, that I am part of a bigger, a bigger picture, a bigger um, element of, of the universe, and that I'm able to uh, feel connected with really something inside of me that I, I never had this uh, personal relationship with this presence. I mean, I think all along in my life, I, I truly believe that I was, you know, my guides, my angels, whatever, the, my team was connecting with me. But I didn't know at the time that it was them. I just thought I was talking to myself, you know. I mean, to and, this day, you don't see them, right? Right. I don't. Right. Yeah. And I don't either. And we don't need to. Everybody, yeah. you don't need to. You come to yeah. know and, they're here. And um, but it's it's interesting that once I became aware of this, that I was that it was really something part of this something, uh, you know, part of this uh, greater reality, as you call it, or this you know this universal life, and uh, that I was. It was, uh, I, I, I never really connected these pieces together, that that they were with me all along. And I- all us, Everybody has a team, you all do. I didn't, know, to them. <laughs> I didn't know that, I didn't know who they were, but they loved me and guided me because I remember all the, 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 the choices I made all my, throughout my life. And it's like, I, and I truly remember always having this discussion in my head, like, and I, it was like, 
it was probably them talking to me. Well, do you really want to do this? Well, you can do, you know, yeah. and I, you know, there were so many times where there were situations like I could have made the bad wrong decision, but I always seemed to make the right decision, but I didn't know it was part of this. And so now it is so cool. So I am still, uh, I'm just amazed. I'm shocked. I'm, they are so smart. And so now they it, are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's like, I just, I sit there and I, any decision now I have to make, I, I just, I, I go, I follow and go follow, go get into that mindfulness state, that healing state that, and I, and I connect at the heart. I think that's the thing where you have to really feel them, that presence. And with the intention that you want is make it that energetic, make it palpable, and then just let it go and don't expect results. You know, I think that's a hard thing for all of us to do. I want it to happen. And it's like, if you would have told me, back in 2015 that I would be here doing, talking to you, have written a book, have my website. I'm a grief coach. I'm, you know, and, uh, you know, helping parents heal. I would have said, that's not me that I, you know, but it's so many wonderful things have actually evolved and awakened within me as well as knowing the fact that you know, my son's death is my physical death is really what the trigger point for me. But a lot of people don't recognize their trigger points because it can be very painful at the beginning to deal with the emotions that have that, you know, that uh, that come out of that. But I feel like if you put the uh, if you have the willingness to do the work and you have intention and the desire to to connect it, it will but at your own time. I, I think everybody is so, I want to do it now. And I remember you used to saying, you just get the, it will happen when it happened. And um, it does, but it, it happens sometimes so subtly, you don't realize it, you know? And it's like- Which is why we don't give up because you don't know, but you do have this team with the big picture and you learn to trust them, which you have. Wow. Well, I am just very- um, I am, uh, they're, they're my best friends. I, I, I mean, that's, I call them my BFFs, you know, they were my grief therapists and now they're my BFFs, you know, and I'm, you know, I, and it's funny cause I, you know, I already hear that. I feel like they're laughing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes. you know? I mean, this is the beauty before, before you started down this journey, we, so many of us feel alone and disconnected at a, even though we have beautiful relationships, I know that everybody can relate to the feeling of you, that some things you just have to do on your own until you realize you have guides and you don't have to do anything on your own except make the choice to connect with them. Right. Right. And I think, you know, sometimes that's hard for people because they feel alone and they allow them to keep bringing themselves down into that, you know, that black hole I call, you know, uh, uh, where you just, um, you don't feel anything, you don't, you know, accept the emotions and you just, and I think I mentioned in the book, I mean, you're so overwhelmed with all the emotions, you don't know how to navigate them and you don't know, uh, what to do with them. And, and because society doesn't talk about how to handle grief, most people just want to suppress it and they're distracted. They'll work more or they're, uh, you know, they'll, you know, 
do whatever, whatever hobby or whatever thing, distraction, watch more TV or whatever, you know, just to dull these senses and, and not deal with the, the emotional impact. And it's hard. I, I mean, it's work, but the rewards are phenomenal. It, phenomenal. It, I just, if you'd allow me, let me see, how do I bring this up here? I think. There we go. Not, well, I didn't want to talk about the cruise right now. I wanted to bring up the Awaken Way app is available for anybody who wants daily inspiration, daily connection with the spirit world and guidance on how to make your own connection, how to raise your own consciousness. This, this group that gives me the daily way messages started just like Maggie's did with poetry. And I didn't write poems. So I know... I, Maggie, it's just phenomenal how the two of us have had a similar path with its differences, but everybody's path is unique, yet the gifts that you've described today are, are very similar for all of us. Once you start to awaken to the fact that you're connected to this source, we're all connected to it, and death is not the end. It changes everything. You know, one of the things that... Um, uh, you know, part of, part of the, the gifts uh, uh, after I became, um, you know, a yoga teacher, you know, learned how to meditate, became a yoga teacher. You know, I, I actually and then I found your book, which indirectly led me to helping parents heal organization. So I had um, uh, gone out to the first conference, which was um, 2018. Was it okay? Mm -hmm. And um, I went by myself, didn't know anybody there. And I was, uh, of course, you were there, your keynote speaker. And I remember sitting at a table and I was talking with this woman. And I didn't know, I never met her before, but she was talking about being a helping parents. Uh, she was an affiliate leader for helping parents heal. And I thought, well, what is that? What do you, what? And so she started talking about it. And this is where you would, for your state, you would you would set up uh, meetings and you would uh, invite people in, other parents, and you would help them. You would show, you know, try to have uh, learning scenarios where you can, uh, um, you know, be able to give them tools to be able to help navigate the uh, the emotions of grief. And so I was very interested in trying to figure out, well, how do I do this? How do I do this? Do, you know, so she gave me some information and then I uh, went through the process. And now, you know, I'm an affiliate leader for uh, for the state of Tennessee. And I'm right now the only one in the state of Tennessee. And my program actually started out in person, but I now do online. So I have a lot of people from different states as it part of Tennessee, but also outside of Tennessee. And I am just, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just so pleased uh, that, you know, I'm able to help, you know, share what I have learned with others who are starting on the journey. And that's and, why we call those, we call ourselves not bereaved parents, but shining light parents. I'm sure when Mitchell passed, you, you felt anything but shining, but you know, he was your shining light and that's what kept you going. And now you're that shining light for others. So everybody, if you know anybody who has a child across the veil, please send them to helpingparentsheal.org. Just the most phenomenal organization for support, camaraderie, learning, healing, growing together. Yeah. 
Well, Maggie, we are about out of time. I thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope people will check out your book, Melodies of Grief, written in the key of love. Any final words for everybody? Um, I would say that, um, you know, just listen to your heart. Listen, you know, anytime you start to become very overwhelmed with uh, emotions, you know, and this is not just in grief, but after you heal your grief, you still will, will be, will, will become very uh, more aware of the emotions that you have and just come back to your heart and to your breath. And, you know, I feel that that's where the guidance, when you get into that healing space, that sacred space, that you can't go wrong with the guidance that you hear from them. And I do that all the time. So, uh, Suzanne, thank you for showing me the way to do that. So it's an honor. It's just my life's mission now. Yeah. Thank you so much, Maggie. Oh, thank you. All right, everybody. You can see that we don't, it doesn't matter who you have across the veil. We're, we're all on this same journey. And I hope that what Maggie shared with you today after the passing of her son speaks to your heart. I have a show coming up soon with another dear friend, Dr. Connie Mariano, former rear admiral in the Navy and former White House doctor. She's going to come on and talk about what it's like to have a spouse cross the veil. So we try to include all different scenarios, but the tools that we can learn the advice that comes through all of our journeys is helpful for all of us. So I thank all of you for joining me. Hope you'll check out my new series of videos called Goosebump Moments. We just had our first one and I'm looking for more of you to share your stories with me so I can bring you into a video. Go to my uh, YouTube channel and enter in there, Suzanne Giesman Goosebump Moments. Check it out and then send me an email. You all go out and have a great week. We'll see you back here for the next show. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.